one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. The title of today's show is Royal Mail, Midwives, and Interlagos Always Deliver. That is from Phil B. Scrolling. And the runner-up for today's show title was Michael Massey and the Missing Camera Angle. That was from EJ on Twitter. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready. Here we are for our review of the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Uh, and I just want to say a quick thank you for the overwhelming support this week on Twitter, Reddit, and on the iTunes, as well as the continuing support of our patrons. I have felt a a big warm blanket of love this week. So thank you so much for being a great part of the Missed Apex community, wherever you interact with us. I'm also joined by Matt to Rumpets. Hello, Matt. Hey there, Spanners. I mean, you ripped that intro today. Like, oh. I love the way you dug into the word live F1. That was very impressive. Now, I actually thought that as as I delivered that, I went, oh, that's probably the best one. for." I could probably just take that one and I could just use that for all the future ones and cheat. You probably could. Instead of doing it live every time and risking messing it up. Why would I do that? But Matt, what, would I, what did I say to you? I said four cup finals, four must wins. Well, that's yep. one. That's one and a big one too. I mean, it was one... I, I, we'll get into it later, but I, I really thought Mercedes' strategy plan was based on minimizing a loss again in this race and taking advantage in future races. But no, they just went out and won it. Okay, you want to stick to that plan? So, like, you do the strategy, and I'll do like the flippant, off-the-cuff remarks that annoy everyone. You want to stick? You don't want to swap? Well, you know how good I am at flipping off-the-cuff remarks. Yeah, but you do that off-air, so everyone thinks you're nice. <laughs> That's the problem. Uh, a little quick word on, on fandom. I know things are getting really tense, really hotting up. And people are saying, have said, especially after the last show with, um, with Brad and Alex, where we had a very ham podcast. I did try to be upfront about it. And if we crossed the line and made that a little bit uncomfortable for, for not Hamilton fans to listen to, I just want to apologize. And I want to say, you know, give us, a, give us another chance. In my house, I have had an official warning from House Control. Uh, especially during the overtakes and the incidents. And I got very stern words along the lines of, if this continues, you will go to the shed. And uh, I wanted to watch it on the big TV, so I behaved myself from that that moment on. 
Oh, dear. Black and white flag. Black and white flag from non-Hamilton fans and from my wife. But we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed. With the kind permission of our better halves, we aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. So don't worry, we've gone from the mean Hamfosi panel to like the super nice people panel we are joined by chris catman turner hello chris good evening it's nice for you to say that yeah i mean and, and i'm not even like i'm not joking you're like one of the nicest people in our crew you're always measured you're always compassionate and you've taught us a lot about just not being turnips in general yeah i'll try and not bring that to the podcast this evening you got <laughs> me uh, on uh, on brad duty today yeah you're the only proper grown-up in the missed apex crew but you're old like me and this track, Interlagos, it's been part of our F1 fandom in forever. And it's just the best, isn't it? How has this track, despite being old and small, like me, held up all this time, unlike me? Uh, it's amazing. It's got you know, corners and, and straights. It's okay. got it all. It's got corners and straights. Oh, what in-depth analysis. I'm glad you're here. We're also joined by Ellen Ellard. Welcome back to the Shed, shed Ellen. Thank you for having me. Uh, Brazil actually seems to be... The only place out of Silverstone this year where Hamilton was loved and greeted nicely by the crowd. Oh, absolutely adored, wasn't he? Those cheers, sort of any time he had sort of charged down the inside, you know, those attempts on Max to start with. And then when he finally got round, you know, you could hear the cheers. I was going to say he knows how to work up the crowd as well, you know, going for that flag. But um, I assume that's something that we'll touch on a bit later on as well. I don't want to dive into that straight away. It's totally fine. I mean, I I was quite surprised, you know, to see a Brazilian marshal running out and just giving him a flag. And it all just felt so emotional. And then the conversation with Massa at the end, you feel like... Well, I mean, I think they those two genuinely seem to, you know, look back on their battle sort of fondly and and love each other and their countries. Definitely, I think I, I definitely got that from the interview as well. And you know, I think you know the Brazil's love for Hamilton and Hamilton's love for Brazil definitely goes both ways. Mm. And, and, and I'll tell you what, Catman, on TV, it just it suits TV. It looks so good. It does. And I think that's down to the way the camera angles are positioned. They're all really low, makes everything look really fast. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, in fact, you might be the right person to do this just for people listening who might not like be having the same kind of love letter to Interlagos that perhaps perhaps you and I do uh, week on week. I think one of the best things about it is it's really easy for a, a viewer to track the battles and see what's going on. So do you, do you want to just give us a quick sort of rundown of when we're going to be talking about these battles? Where's the best place to to race and test yourself around Interlagos? You know, it's a fantastic track because it's actually quite short, so it's not too complicated to follow. You got the the middle sector, and you got the obviously the the, <laughs> the final sector. Uh, the final sector's got all those long straights, so you know you got a bit of a minute to breathe as well. Where you can really overtake, though, it is all about being close through that middle sector. So, the beauty of this track is you've got those kind of cambered corners, um, eight through eleven. Uh, you know, the Pinarino and Bico de Pato kind of corners. Um, you know, you're staying away from the apex in those turns isn't necessarily a bad thing. Having different lines allows you to to keep your front wing energized when you're following another car. If you do, if you don't follow yeah. them in their wheel tracks, you can you can keep really close. And and uh, and and we saw Hamilton doing this at various stages throughout the weekend, and as well Norris fighting through the pack. There are places like in that infield, you can if you've got a pace advantage on a car mat, you can get out of that toe 
and you can, I think especially the final right-hander in the infield, you can get out that toe, dive in late, and actually you can pretty much, in fact, this is the Albon-Hamilton crash corner I'm talking about. Yeah. You can take that inside line out of the out of the toe and, and still follow then into the next. So I, just, I just feel like there's so many places here that set up good racing. Well, and it sets up good racing for exactly the reason that Catman identified in that if I optimize my car for the middle sector, I can create enough of a gap that people optimize for the first and third sectors can't necessarily quite catch me down the straights. But by the same token, if I'm fast down the straights and you get a poor exit out of turn 12, I'm going to catch you and it's going to be the devil's work to get back around me. So it makes for really great, interesting, strategic and tactical racing throughout the field. Yep. So that, uh, that start finish rate is so long that you can be quite a distance behind and still have a lunge into turn one. Doesn't always work there, but the, the crucial bit is getting turns th- two and three correct, as we saw yes. in the race mm. today. If you don't get the power down effectively, you're really vulnerable into turn four. And it's, it's like, it's like a lot of like cart tracks and a lot of like, you know, it often gets compared to an, uh, like, it's like, oh, it's like an, a cart track. But because you've got that infield where that's your test of pace, but then you've got a proper section of the, the DRS into turn one. So you've got the long drag up the hill into turn one to that complex and then another long drag down to turn four before settling in. So if you're watching and trying to follow the race, even as a relative newcomer, you can sit and you can go pretty quickly into the weekend. You go, ah, I know what I'm doing. Twisty, 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 twisty. Up the hill, Ooh, will it be? No, not quite. One more chance. Okay, twisty, 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 twisty. Uh, but for the younger generation, Alan, because I don't want to out you as being impossibly young but uh you know does does interlagos for you hold up compared to the modern tracks because it, it really is about as old school as you you can get yeah definitely i think so like pretty much what you're saying it's easy to get your head around you know where these attacks are going to be made you know the the sort of as a as a track you know comparing it to a karting track as well you know brings the excitement and i think that's what people want to see and sort of younger people coming into formula one now you yeah. want tracks where you're going to get an excitement the excitement but also the variety and interlagos delivers on both of those yeah certainly the, the undulation helps you identify tracks unlike certain tracks that we don't need to name uh, but <laughs> sochi you are looking at it from turn to turn and you just don't know where you are here you can pretty quickly figure out where you are on the track all right um, let's get let's get into let, what should we do here, Matt? What's the plan? Is the collision the the non collision? Is the the non penalty? Is that a big ticket enough event to go straight to? Should we go straight to the race? Should we start at qualifying? My plan here, I think, is we will go straight into the strategy of where the race was won and lost. But how about we start with the with the sprint race? What do you think? Well, because ultimately that was where the race was won. And lost. Okay, then. Hey, Matt, tell us where the sprint and race was won and lost. Now, to be fair, I do have this as an honorable mention. Sometimes qualifying, and let's remember, this was technically qualifying, despite all that Friday stuff we did, has a real visceral impact on where everyone finishes in the race and it absolutely did this time around particularly when we talk about the people on the podium okay then let's start with the sprint race we will circle back to touchy touchy gate 
and Wingate. Uh, they were covered quite extensively over the course of the weekend. I don't know about you, Matt, but I was waiting up like for ages on Friday night, waiting for t- for a decision on the penalty. And then I was like, I can stay up, FIA. I can stay. And then I ended up. And then in the morning, there still wasn't a decision. Yeah, no, we made it all the way through free practice too, which oddly is on a Saturday in this weekend format before we heard news that Hamilton had indeed been disqualified from the entire Friday qualifying session, which wasn't really qualifying. Cool. We'll treat that as a topic later on in the show. But let's start off with the sprint race. The reality is Lewis Hamilton is starting from the back of the grid. Valtteri Bottas then lines up in second place behind Max Verstappen. An interesting thing is that we get to get rid of the tyre rule. I, I just cannot stand that tyre rule that you have to start with the Q2 tyre. So, yes, because yeah. yeah, because what we wind up with on Sunday is everybody except for Tsunoda on exactly the same tyre because everyone yes. knows what the best tyre to start on is. So you don't have that disadvantage to the midfielders sneaking into the back half of the top 10 with a soft tyre and then being forced to ruin their race as a result of starting farther ahead. No, but let's do... Oh, sorry. I, I want to talk about tyres, Max, not just you. Okay. Uh, I, I just love that kind of reveal because we don't, we don't know who's starting on what. In the, in the olden, olden days, we had like, oh, what fuel load is everybody on? And that was the surprising thing for the race. I'm, I don't want that back. But like sitting on the grid and going, having that big reveal, and then suddenly, as a viewer, you've got to quickly decide who made the good choice. Why is Bottas on softs? Bottas is on softs because... Oh, wow, he is being deployed as like a, a hacker. His job here is to hold back Verstappen. Oh, Perez also on soft. What's the thinking there? Verstappen on mediums, is that going to work? Hamilton on mediums. Oh, has he has he given, given himself a disadvantage? This means he now won't go through the sprint. And all that is running in your head from tyre blankets off to away they go parade lap. Yeah, and this was a really interesting choice because... One of the key features of the weekend was what is the track temperature? And at the start of the sprint qualifying, I believe it was around 35 C. And that's pretty cool. And what happened was you had, um, it was Alpine, maybe Ferrari. There were several teams that split strategy. But really, if you looked at the results, if you chose the soft tire, you had a pretty good sprint qualifying, unless your name is Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, the soft tire was quite a gamble, though, because they, they pitched the sprint race to be just between how long the soft can last and, and the medium tire. So if you choose the softs, you're going to be running out of them by the end. But as you say, the cooler track temperatures, luckily for them, meant that, that they were able to, to keep them going that little bit longer. Yeah, so I suppose we can just briefly touch on, I mean, we have to say, don't we, Ellen, that of the sprint races, this one... I mean, it was the best. That is a particularly low bar. But, oh, how convenient that Hamilton was at the back just when the FIA needed to prove how good sprint races were. Yeah, it's, um, I totally agree. Definitely one of the best sprint, well, the best sprint race, sprint quality that we've seen. It's one of those things, you know, and then they say about, was it yesterday? They said that they're planning, is it six for next season? So obviously upping that a bit. And it's um, it definitely, I, I wouldn't say it's completely sold everyone though, because how how often are we going to have Hamilton starting at the back? This was very much a one-off occasion. I think it sort of perked people's interest, definitely spices up a weekend a bit, makes it maybe a full event weekend, maybe slightly more than it has been in the past. Um, but again, that's if you've, if you're sort of, 
not of the camp that absolutely hates sprint quality. And <laughs> yeah. um, that's only if, you know, you're sort of one of those, maybe like I am who a bit like on a good day, like today, obviously, or yesterday, even it's, it's great. And yeah. it really brings a bit of extra spice, but usually like we've seen the past two, no, not really. Um, but yeah, it did, you know, it did kick does off. seem like it's fallen mm. into place at the right time, but how often are we going to see stuff like that? So for those of us Never who, again. who hate, who hated the whole concept, I think Catman, you might have been one of those with me as well. It's easy for us to have gone in the first two sprint qualities and gone, aha, see, it was rubbish. So we have to go, we have to take it on the chin, maybe take the L when it does spark up like this, but Lewis being behind kind of saved it. Oh, absolutely. If you look at the actual rest of it, barring Lewis, the only person who actually did a proper overtake was uh, Lando on Leclerc. Um, The only way sprint races really work is if you have the fast guys at the back. So I think Lando actually suggested having one lap qualifying, so single shot qualifying for the sprint race weekends so that you can, if somebody makes a, a mess of their lap, you might get some more of the fast guys at the back. I'm pretty sure Carlos Sainz would be offended by that description of the only overtake because I believe he wound up starting third after a magnificent defense of Perez in the closing laps. Yeah, the only overtake after the first couple of corners, yes. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's fair, Matt. Yeah, and all of this is lovely and fascinating, but as to why it matters, had we not had the sprint qualifying, Lewis Hamilton would have started dead last in today's race. And he would have started, he was already going to start five places back because he took a new spec internal combustion engine. And the plan from Mercedes was, well, he'll win the quali- the sprint qualifying, start P6, and catch right back up. And then, mirabile dictu, as you say, there's a technical fault and he's disqualified from the whole thing and kicked to the back just in time to save sprint qualifying for the masses. Ellen, I'm getting some slack from the Slack group. Hello, Slack group, for saying take the L. I thought I was using a, a cool with it people phrase. Did I did I do it wrong or am I just too old? <laughs> anyway, your input. I'm, that's completely thrown me off. I can't remember where I was going. <laughs> oh, that was it. Basically, yeah, I totally agree. You know, it's one of those things where this weekend has fallen together like you know, the stars have possibly like completely yeah. aligned because, you know, obviously taking the the penalty, the five place grid penalty this weekend, beneficial because we've got the sprint quality or, you know, not actually, no, that's not, that's me going off on. Basically <laughs> it's all just fallen into place really well because if the, um, you know, if he'd have had the, the disqualification on any other weekend, he wouldn't have had the time to make up the yeah, places. Yeah, it was a good and choice. And it's just fallen into place that he can make up the places expertly as he did yesterday and then, you know, he can mitigate then that five place again, back again. Obviously, um, they'd have liked to see him win the sprint race and not have all of the the drama that we had, you know, in the 24 hours before. But this was definitely the weekend where the stars have possibly aligned a bit as well, slightly for Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, and I think we should just, we should talk about that sprint race performance, Matt. Clearly, massive engine advantage, and it, it showed, and they definitely had that advantage. But there were parts of Hamilton's driving that also showed his experience and, and skill as well. The way he negotiated that final turn, struggling at first, and then kind of finding that, actually, I just needed to back off, get some momentum. And then he started chewing through the pack. And then, of course, the, the great move on Norris, which Norris 
kind of capitulated to a little. But I don't think every driver on the grid could have done that. You can't say that's not a great performance. Even given that car, it really reminded me most of that GP2 race. I think it was Bahrain right before he ascended to the lofty ranks of Formula One, where he spun in the first lap and came from the back to finish, I don't know, maybe fourth. And now this is in GP2, no DRS. And it was that kind of just a mesmerizing performance. Yeah, he had the new power unit. Yeah, the Mercedes, arguably the best car in the grid. Even with all that, it was just something to behold. Ellen. He was saying after the race that, you know, he'd made that, you know, comparison again after the race in his interviews. And it's one of those ones where he said, you know, the passion in there as well, you know, that really drove him a lot of what was going on around the time, you know, contracts up, he was driving for his life. And that really pushed him again. I don't, you know, not in the same position with driving for his life at all. Yeah. But he was under a lot of pressure. He's been stoked up by Red Bull. He has been all season. And it's just, you know, it's the Lewis Hamilton we see where he just goes right let's let's take this out on the track yeah and we should say yeah fighting for his career and his his place not not fighting for his life uh, this did have similarities to uh, to russell crowe getting stabbed in the underground bit and then beating joaquin phoenix in the end it did have similarities to that but he wasn't actually literally fighting uh, for his his life uh, as a side note him talking about that kind of that fight in his junior series it does remind you of just what a journey this has been you know he isn't a son of a racing driver he isn't a son of a a billionaire and i think he might be the last of this kind of driver that we see for some time i know matt is going to say ocon and i think perhaps leclerc maybe comes into that but but after that it's not super hopeful for that kind of driver so i am glad uh that you you pointed out that aspect and that story ellen uh catman sorry no, I was just going to say it's an absolute pleasure to finally see, well, to, to see Lewis again having to fight through the field. It's not often mm. that we have to see him making these overtakes because he's been in such a dominant position for so long. Um, and when he came into Formula One, as Matt was saying, he was known for being a fighter and being able to do amazing overtakes, awesome on the brakes. Yeah. And 2007, just, I just appeared on the scene and just started doing things you're not supposed to do. Yeah, he didn't have the he didn't have to grit his teeth in a Minardi like Alonso did, for example. Yeah, and in a situation where he's not really too concerned about having to save tires or save fuel, which often constrains the action that we do see in the Grand Prix on Sunday. I also want to sorry, I'm delaying you from getting to the race start, Matt, but I also feel like in in this situation, in this race, in those cold temperatures. Mercedes had a, a massive advantage with the new power unit. But also Bottas had a just a general car advantage up at the front. Great start from him. But I think that sprint race, I'll go to you, Catman. I think that sprint race, that showed the kind of talent difference. Verstappen taking on a much better car in the exact circumstances that they would have wanted for that car, I think really, really showed Verstappen's talent and raw pace on a pure racer's track. Absolutely. And he's always shown amazing talent around this circuit uh, to, to keep with Bottas. He was never going to make a, a dirty lunge uh, in the sprint race because, you know, that's that's not where the points are, yeah. are won. But um, just going back to the start, because obviously Bottas, you're saying Bottas did an amazing job in the sprint race and he absolutely did. He yeah. had to get it done in turn one. What really helped him was a bit of Mercedes gamesmanship, in my opinion, because obviously he put the soft tyres on. 
and Lewis was on in P20. Did you see how slowly he trundled into yeah. his grid spot? Oh, my God. Lewis never, ever gets to complain about cars taking ages to get to the grid spot again. <laughs> that, was, that was so blatant. And like, isn't there like a rule? Because you can't have like just a 20 car gap, but no, not enforced. Yeah. And, but so that would have obviously, for the guys at the front, their tyres would have been cooling down. And with the medium tyres on Verstappen's car, that would have meant they didn't fire up as quickly, which is why he was also vulnerable to the cars behind. Right. And that brings us back to the track temperatures that you mentioned. As it got colder, the Red Bull had more and more trouble getting the front end of their car to turn. And it made it harder for them, even though they had the better tire to attack Bottas at the end. That Mm. plus a gear sink issue for Verstappen meant that it was a bit of a job. But I also remember after watching that start, seeing Bottas and second position take the inside line and just drive away i also kind of thought to myself you know it might be a bit tactical here that they're not pushing to win this race because they may think that that's actually the better starting spot on the sunday that's interesting Uh, again i will stop you just from going to the race very quickly i just i want to temper the the hamilton performance a little bit I think he took advantage of a great car and a great power unit, took some interesting lines, figured out the problem, unlocked the puzzle. I want to give him credit for that. But it is worth pointing out that the the maybe the back 10 cars had no real tools to hold off Hamilton. I think he took 17 cars in into turn one or something like that. And then the front five, which on paper that was going to be challenging, they all knew he was taking a five-place grid penalty. They had no reason to fight him, and, and generally none of them did. None of them put up a fight, Catman. That's what, I'm not saying it wasn't good. I'm just saying it might not be the miracle it was made out to be. No, absolutely. It was. He had to get the job done in the end. But as you say, there weren't going to be the, um, the desperate defences like there were in, uh, in, the, in the feature race. Uh, sort of counter that a little bit slightly and maybe play a bit of devil's advocate he did incredibly well sort of not getting as stuck in a DRS train as he could have been and managed to tie as well through dirty air so you know I think a lot of people and especially me in particular and I know talking to other people you know people maybe expected him to finish just outside the top 10 and then start 16th on the grid and he did so much better than that. Yeah. You know, a lot of stuff, like you say, did fall into place, cooler track tires, ex- uh, uh, temperatures, et cetera, helping the tires. But to to get through like he did, you know, avoid the the hassle that DRS trains can be sometimes, I think he did exceptionally well. And I don't think that should be taken away from him. Absolutely. If you, if you want to see a masterclass in overtaking, go through uh, the sprint race and watch him following Lando and Ricardo through that middle sector, taking the different lines through the cambered corners. It was beautiful. All right. Well, let's go on to the race proper. All right. Where was the second race won and lost? Okay, race two. Is it, I will say, as much as like I enjoyed this race weekend, like it was brilliant. And the the sprint weekend landed. I'm still against it in general. I think it was lucky, or was it lucky, that Hamilton was at the back and it, it all worked out for them. I think it might have been a bit much, though. You know, for us, like, diehards that need to watch every single moment and need to, like, we're waiting for all the stewards' decisions and all the feedback. Like, I, I'm exhausted F1-wise. When they're going, okay, and next week, we're, uh, what? Next week? No, come on, give us a... 
is a weekend off. I just felt like there was, there was a lot of F1 this week, and that is a big deal from me. Yeah, it was a heaping oversized portion of both drama and racing yeah, that we got rewarded with. And it is difficult in the midst of so many back-to-back weekends uh, to just <laughs> to maintain your energy level, even yeah. if your enthusiasm is there. No, come on, though. The, the, yeah, the energy is sapping. The enthusiasm is definitely there. I guess we start at the start. Yeah, you can't not start at the start. And there are two critical reasons for that. One, I would say, is the number of places that Hamilton made up. Again, mm. just by the time he got to turn four, that was important. But most importantly, because Botas won the sprint race, he started on pole, and we had the race down to the turn one entry, which um, he almost, but not quite won. Verstappen managed to get the car alongside, take the better line into it, and then, and something we would see later on in the race with Hamilton, ran Botas all the way to the outside of the first Sinaas to the point where he actually ran through the grass on his way back onto the track. Yeah, Ellen, I mean, look... I've gotten a lot of heat for being too harsh on Bottas, so I'm, I'd like you to be. No, <laughs> so I was going to say wanna... I'm not the person to come to. If, I was if thinking I, this if earlier, I, say I was the like, words, every, chocolate every fire time, <laughs> yeah, every time I hop on the podcast, Bottas does something that I'm just not impressed with, and I just sit there and go, "Oh, Bottas, come on! Like, oh, oh, come I'm on! You've got the go car. On go on, give it." I mean, give side it. to side into turn one. What do you make of it? I just, I don't. So. It's, I think it's a really difficult one because I think Verstappen had a great start and is very fighty like we see Verstappen. You know, he's a line, always puts up a fight. Mm. And Bottas, as we see, saw in Mexico as well, is just his starts just don't seem to be clicking. And I don't think he's, he's there and he's not defending and he's not fighting. Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes, I don't know whether this could be me totally wrong and being a bit savage. He just, when he gets into the race, I feel like he's there, but just that presence at the start just doesn't seem to have it. It's, it's a survival instinct almost, Catman, isn't it, at the start for him? Because I, I wonder, you're in that position, surely he's been briefed by the Mercedes management, like, okay, we do want you to bring constructors' points home, but don't jump out of Max's way. If he does the the, the Hamstappen move, which we've covered a lot, that ham, that classic Hamstappen move, just hold it. It, it, he can only get away with it if you jump out of the way. Hold the line, let that contact happen, see what they say, see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually going to debate trumpets here where he said that the inside line was a preferred line. A lot of overtakes are on this place into the first corner yeah, around yeah, yeah. the outside because yeah. then you got the, the inside for the second. And if he just stuck his foot in or his, his little nose in there, Max wouldn't have been able to turn in and he might have scuppered his exit and maybe had to go into turn four. As I was saying, it's all about the run down to turn four that makes a big difference. And because he just let Max just have the line he wanted, he, was able, he wasn't able to keep anywhere near him. Well, I will debate you on that. I think on the exit of turn one, Botas's choice were either to stay on track and have a collision with Verstappen with all the implications and consequences of that. Yeah, do that! Sharp Hanfosi! <laughs> Or to or to try and follow him down to turn four. Unfortunately, the run through the grass really robbed yeah. his momentum. But his real mistake, if you ask me, and no one did, but I'm going to say it anyway, is that 
on the run down to turn one. He actually came over on Verstappen quite a bit. But as Max got alongside him, he moved back more towards the outside, probably to open the corner a little bit. But I think it was a huge mistake not to essentially pin Verstappen all the way to the inside. Had he done that, he would have had a he would have had much more of a fighting chance. Instead, by opening the corner for himself, he gave Max the preferential line, the one with the rubber on it, the one with the yeah. best grip. And I think that might be track specific, like specifically in this situation with the way it drops down, that might have uh, oh. turned out to be the wrong choice. But look, to be clear, I'm not I'm not saying that Verstappen, uh, sorry, Bottas should have taken Verstappen out. I'm just saying you're on the outside. He he was entitled to stay on the track, and I think Catman. If Verstappen had just had chosen to drive, on, drive into him, there's no argument there. Bottas is there, and you'd go, well, I'm, I'm on the track. Yep, make Max not hit you. Yeah, That's make Max, thank you. That's the exact word. Verstappen has been so dominant with that move. Make him, make him choose to hit you or not. Yeah, absolutely. And if we're talking about uh, issues on that start that Bottas had, it was then into turn four where he was defending against Perez on the inside. And he was, he just, he had it covered, but then he outbroke himself, skidded Mm. wide slightly. And then that let Perez just, just scoot through. So, you know, it was, it was a double whammy really for him. Yeah. All right, Matt, let's, uh, I guess, well, you make a point and then you, you move on your segment. Yeah. Well, I was just going to simply say that in that case, Perez got an, unbelievable toe with him being below Mm. full speed i maybe he could have stayed ahead if he'd driven that corner perfectly but i think he was pretty done for regardless i think bottas had the line covered if he didn't break too late fair enough okay well i mean that's that that is kind of the first phase covered you could look back a little if you wanted and say at this point hamilton seems to have already made a very good start i think he was up to seventh kind of nearly instantly so that puts us, what, what happened What happened next? Well, see, now this is where I'm going to give you a conniption fit. Because I'm going to say the second most critical piece of this race actually happened about lap three, when our favorite non-French Alpha Tauri driver, <laughs> Yuki Tsunoda, okay. came together, and I say that just so that we can argue about whose fault it was later, with Lance Stroll and absolutely littered the track with debris. No, we have to do it now. Whose fault is it? <laughs> oh, poor Yuki. I, I think uh, on on I think the first instinct it looked like I, I felt like Stroll had cut across him, and this is classic race car bias because you know race fan bias. Because Stroll's not my favourite. I keep I keep that to myself. And Sonoda is one of my favourites. So at first I thought, oh, Sonoda's minding his own business on the inside. And But I think it did look like he, he maybe arrived a, a little bit late, Catman. Yeah, he van it. He just steamed oh, into the apex. With, uh, oh, I've, I've, got with deal, absolutely... I've got to deal with that now. Now you've said he van it. I'm going to get <laughs> I'm going to get the message. Absolutely no regard to what, what Stroll was going to do. Stroll was minding his own business. Just I'm out for a Sunday drive. I'm going to turn into the apex. Oh, oh there's somebody there. Crunch. No chance. Well, and this is a lovely feature of this track. If you really want to take the best line into turn one, you break late and you stay very outside and then you fall down to the turn one apex. So you get on the throttle super quick. But if you do that, you absolutely won't see someone coming up the inside of the track, wrapping their way around the inside. And in fact, at the moment of contact, their front wheels were actually nearly in the same place. 
Yeah. So to get, to give a bit of context to Sonoda, he was on the soft tires against all the others around him. He, he was desperate to make progress through the field. He had to make those soft tires work because they weren't going to last for very long. And he was maybe getting a bit frustrated behind stroll. So had to make a lunge and, and, it was a worthy attempt, but just overcooked. Yeah, uh, Catman, good luck at the next karting event when you wheel to wheel with Alex. That's all I'll uh, say. Yeah, like I'm going to be wheel to wheel with Alex. No, no, that's a, uh, that's a good point. Uh, <laughs> but you own your own race kart suit, so you really should be a lot better than you are. I think I'll stick to the booth. And the best way to keep it clean is to never use it. That's true. Matt, uh, so let's talk about the implications then of, God, this is going back a bit. So this caused a safety car. Right. And it mattered a lot because we were already starting to see some gaps. I mean, Hamilton had made up uh, the places. And I believe at that point, Bottas had already let him pass. But there was a bit of a gap from him to Perez and another bit of a gap from Perez to Verstappen. And when the safety car came out, two critical things happened. First of all, those gaps went good. Bye. Yep. And that's what everyone was talking about pre-race, which was, yeah, Hamilton might make those positions up, but they're going to be gone. You know, they're going to get a pit stop advantage. But it, it, firstly, it wasn't quite that. It was like three, four, five seconds, something like that. It wasn't yeah. massive. It was significant. It, was an, it could have made the difference. But instead, you know, he, he never had to close that gap because of the safety car. Yeah. And of course, that means that the tires that he'd been absolutely abusing yeah. To get up there, he could cool the car down, he could cool the brakes down, he could cool the tires down and get them back into their optimal parameters. But also, it brings the rest of the midfield up close to the leaders, yeah. meaning that that normal gap that starts to appear between lap 18 and lap 27 that they can fall into with their pit stop wasn't going to be there. And so, and so on the restart, there was a lot of focus on, oh, okay, you know, are they going to get away well? But on, on this track, you know, Verstappen could, to, could could just leave it all the way until the start line before he got going. But my goodness, Perez and Hamilton nearly came together several times on that warm-up lap. Like Perez, as a as a kind of good lieutenant, if you like, to, to General Verstappen, he really was doing his job just bugging Hamilton, getting the tyres warm. Every single swerve Perez did... He was right on the wingtip of Hamilton. And I, I'll bet you, I'll bet the Red Bull management were like on him. They're like, dude, your job is like harassment today. You know, like Alexander in the northern empires of, of the, the Roman territory over the Himalayas, harassing the Roman troops. Although that didn't work out too well in the end, did it? Uh, no, so never mind. Forget that analogy and the Maximus one from, from earlier. My history's not, not, not doing me any favours. Uh, but, but... Uh, Perez ends up kind of playing a, a pretty key role, Matt. But I'm, I'm sort of that's after the pit stop, so I'm, I'm skipping ahead, aren't I? I? I think the trigger point for the pit stop was key. Yeah, and and this is the thing: um, you had um, the running order. So there was a battle um, between uh, lap eighteen, nineteen, where Hamilton finally passed Perez, which I think was an inevitability. But it took longer, honestly, than I thought it would. So now you have. The undercut overcut battle between Hamilton behind, Verstappen ahead, and Hamilton was just barely in what you would consider to be undercut range. And then suddenly he stopped making lap time on Verstappen. He was hanging out in that. But the person who really did have the good undercut opportunity was Botas. But that's not how it played out at all. And so 
what happened was Hamilton lap 27 jumped and he had a beautiful stop, came out on the hard tire and ran smack into the back of everybody's favorite McLaren, Daniel Ricardo, which mm. gave Max just enough clearance to get through the pits and get back out in front, but with his lead effectively halved. And then this is where it all went really wonky for me. Perez came in next. And I'm like, I don't understand why Botas and Verstappen didn't pit the same lap because Botas was like a second and a half behind Perez. It was such an easy pass to make, but he didn't. And this is why ultimately the stroll Sunoda thing mattered so much. It's three laps on, a huge chunk of Stroll's car fell off on the front straight and they were forced to call a virtual safety car to clean it up. And that gave Botas his lead over Perez that would be untouchable for the rest of the race. The last podium position was locked in from there. Okay, so uh, Gino in the chat room is just pointing out a, a good talking point, which is Perez asking for Verstappen to drop back, Ellen. Did you think, <laughs> was that ever on? Should they have done that? No, no. I think that just, uh, when I heard that, I was like, wh- why? Like, personally, I think Perez should have a bit more confidence in himself because he's been a very good right-hand man to Verstappen pretty much all season thus far. Mm. And if Verstappen was going to drop back, that just puts him at greater risk to the two Mercedes. <laughs> and I was just thinking, I just don't really know where that idea came from that that would ever work slash even help because it definitely doesn't help the team in sort of like the greater good and what they're going for could have ended up with them losing more points in constructors. So I think it probably, you know, would have guaranteed that. I agree with you, but I'm sensing some, uh, some dissent amongst the ranks. Absolutely. The idea came from Talladega Knights. Shake and uh, bake. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, he's got a, I, I think actually it wouldn't have been a bad idea to drag Perez with him because he wasn't making headroom. You know, it, it was only four seconds ahead or something like that. So maybe actually bringing Perez along with him might have got Hamilton out of DRS range or at least have, have interrupted the flow a bit. And then if he needed to, before the pit stops, put in a couple of blinders, because if he's going at a much lower pace, he would have had more tyre life and might maybe have uh, been able to, to, to kind of drag him with him. Well, and the problem with that, it would have worked in terms of keeping Perez between Verstappen and Hamilton, but it would have brought Verstappen and Perez so close together. And this is why the idea was never even seriously considered. The two of them would have been so close together. Hamilton could simply have undercut the both of them and been done with it. Yeah. If you look at the end result, that wouldn't, I don't think that would have changed anything at all. Maybe would have made a more comfortable sort of what, sort of how many laps that would have sort of covered maybe like 10 that made him would have made that more comfortable for Perez. But yep. in the grand scheme of things, would that have covered how strong Hamilton was and how much faster Hamilton was? Absolutely not. Look, let's put this in the real context that we're all that we're all expecting, which is like a, a video game. You know, Hamilton had to fight off some minor characters at the beginning. Then he moved on to the race level where he cut his way through from 10th place. And then he got onto like the big bosses pretty quickly. And Perez could have been a a better near-end game boss if they'd have given him the toe. I'm really with Ellen on this because look how much Hamilton had to get through those battles. Look how much Perez was able to harass when Hamilton actually had that killer thrust. He could have held him back longer. Verstappen, with his just pure Verstappen-ness, was able to be a real pain in the turnips. 
you extend that, Matt. You keep extending those opportunities for Hamilton to fail, to get bogged down, to burn his tyres, to have an incident. That's the game that Red Bull were playing today. Uh, and I entirely understand every word you said and could not disagree more because oh, at the end of the day, you. if Verstappen is giving Perez a toe, they're within a second of each other. If Hamilton is also in DRS, he's there for maybe two seconds at most or less back of Max. As it is, he was almost three seconds back and cut the gap more than in half with his undercut on lap 27. Mm. It would have been in, in, he would have been out even with Ricardo in front of Verstappen had they tried to play that game. Okay. I think people want us to get to the, yeah, they want us to get to the thing with the, I'm going to delay you the tiniest bit, but I promise I'm taking you right there. Yeah. Go on then. The last critical moment where the race literally was won and lost was lap 59 when Hamilton made that pass on Verstappen. Mm. And the reason it was critical was unlike lap 49, which is the incident we're all going to want to talk about in just a second. Yeah. (laughs) Unlike uh, Hamilton got a very good run down turn four and he cut across the bowels of Verstappen, which he couldn't do in lap 49 and took the inside entirely away from him before looping back to the racing line. That was good. Nailing the entry to turn four and driving off into the distance covered in glory. It was. It was a statement of intent. It was like, got you this time, son. But it was, as we were saying earlier, it was that two and turns two and three where Verstappen didn't get the drive that he needed because he got a bit of oversteer on the throttle that meant that Lewis was that tiny bit closer and was able to, to be ahead rather than alongside into turn four. And that's because he was being super defensive because he knew what was coming. <laughs> All right. Let's get to it. I know. Is it whose fault is it? I don't know. Yeah, why whose not? Whose fault is it? I've got the bumpers. I'm gonna use them. <laughs> okay, so lap 49 was it, Matt? Okay, lap 49. Hamilton yep. gets the run down to turn four. Good opportunity. A uh, good uh, overtaking opportunities round the outside. He's ahead. Verstappen says no. You shall not pass. He does not yield. He goes fairly straight. Uh, off the track, a, a, a long way off. But, Ellen, is this not just like every other move that we've seen? With the, the, the We've called it the Hamstappen manoeuvre, and Hamilton's done this to Rosberg. We've talked about the inside car ushering the, the car off to the outside. Is, is this not just like all the other of these moves we've seen throughout the last few years? Nicolay, kind of. <laughs> kind In reality... Of. And the reality is that they're both off the track. So that's where my views differ. I'm very much in all for, you know, let them race. And I know that was the argument being put out there very strongly by the Red Bull team. Yeah. Um, but when they're both so like they're both off the track, I think that's where the difference lies to maybe the incidents I've seen we've seen before. You know, it's kind of like a one-all situation, isn't it? They've both had one each, and yeah. now we're sitting in the situation where this would have been the third, you know, third big incident if it would have, you know, if it would have turned into that, if it would yeah. have either firstly been investigated or or they've been contact. <laughs> yeah, if there's contact, maybe that's probably the first before the before the secondly yeah. um the investigating point. But, um, yeah, I just think the differing factor in this is the fact that they were both off the track. Yeah, for me, there's no point on sitting in the fence here. So I'm going to lay this at Max Verstappen's feet and say that he was behind on the entry to the corner. 
and decided to break later and stick himself in that situation. Now, there's no obligation for him to make the apex. Absolutely not. Hang on. Max Verstappen fans at Silverstone told us very, very clearly that Hamilton definitely had to make the apex. No, there is absolutely definitely. Are you sure, Catman? Because I remember being told very clearly that you have to make the apex. Not by me, you went. So absolutely, yeah. there's no obligation to make the apex, but you do at some point have to try and stay on the circuit. Now, if he had broke, if if he had stayed on the circuit, then that's an absolutely fair move. But because they both went off the track, Max was never at that entry speed going to stay on the circuit because he got a bit um, crossed up in the middle. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen the onboard from his steering wheel, so I don't know if he got crossed up or whether he... No, we mysteriously haven't seen the onboard. (laughs) That's like the first thing they go to in any incident, but it's not there. However, I will say, Catman, you you led off with, well, Hamilton was ahead. Kind of... Into the the braking zone. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Verstappen's one of the best breakers in the business, so is Hamilton. If he wants to try and break late, he's more than entitled to try and stay alongside by breaking later. Oh, absolutely. But the problem is you've got to then stay on the circuit, which you didn't. Right. Well, well, no, not at all. And and this is the crux of the matter. If Verstappen had adjusted his entry speed, because that's really what we're talking about. Sure. Even if he'd adjusted it to the point where he made the turn going all the way to the white line on the outside of turn four on the exit. Yeah. I think he'd have a real case to make that Hamilton, if he made the overtake, would have had to have make it off the track. But he didn't do that, because I suspect that if he'd adjusted his speed to that level, Hamilton would have been ahead, and he could not have gotten to that point. And I think that's the judgment he made, in a flash, on the way into turn four there. And instead, he chose to break so late that he knew he could get to the outside of the track first and give Hamilton no chance to get around him. And as a result, he drove, I don't know, what was it, about four cars uh, yes. off the track to make the turn? It was ridiculous. Is it solely a speed incident, though? Is it solely that he didn't slow down soon enough? Because if you look at the overheads on the car, yeah. I know we we are missing that camera angle, and I'm... Well, I don't know. I've been in some broadcast trucks and there is always <laughs> there is always a camera angle and I'm just they'll they'll find it. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they it's will. It's there somewhere. Um, It'll be there it's somewhere. It's there somewhere. I'm literally I'm waiting because <laughs> the amount of times I've been like, you know, in a broadcast truck and I've seen the different angles being filmed and I've thought, oh yeah, it'll be there. <laughs> um anyway, that's beyond the point. But basically if you look at the overheads, it does not look like he's turned at all. It doesn't look like the steering wheel has moved. So is it solely a speeding thing or is it is the split decision as well that he has then thought, right, if I don't turn in here, then I'll still make it again. Is that a decision? Is that clear? I don't think that's the yeah. you know, I don't think it's solely speed. OK, so I know Catman's going to drive going to try and jump in here, but I am I'm going to pour some 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 cool mayonnaise on your salsa, Catman, before you jump in. You 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 hate her. Verstappen doesn't doesn't owe Hamilton a, a line. He can take whatever line he he wants. Hamilton didn't have to stay on that outside. You do have the choice to see the car flinging off down the inside, and and you just decide to break and make the corner. And then had Hamilton just stayed on track, and Verstappen had gone off and 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 then kept the position. He's he's on a much he's on a much greater kind of moral standpoint but Hamilton held it on the outside as as much as he could Catman 
and Verstappen ushered him off to the outside. A long way to the outside. So where, where, where's the where's the drama? Where's the where's the calling for the penalty? What's the justification for a penalty? Yeah, he, he ushered him off to Rio de Janeiro. I think. <laughs> okay, I mean, like, yeah, okay. So I, I assume from that joke that Rio de Janeiro is graphically far away from Sao Paulo. It's close enough, but far away enough. Got, yeah. got you, got you. So Max was able to to do that, as you were saying, Alan, by. Uh, opening up either opening up the steering wheel or not turning as much as he he wanted we'll to know. whether that was enforced or not um uh, oh well i i want to jump in with a little bit of track feature here is the exit of turn four is an off-camber turn and red bull struggles with everything a bit more with their front end so Meaning understeer is is oh, is a thing. There you go. So poor Max, it was not his fault. It was just it was understeer. If we if we could see the onboard, we'd see that he was trying so hard to to crank it to the left. It just wouldn't it just wouldn't go. Yeah, the the solution to that is, as Matt put it, adjusting your speed. Mm. And that's where I wanted to get back to. He went so deep into that braking zone. When he started to make his apex, Hamilton's front wheels were just about level with his rear wheels, meaning that Hamilton had no real choice at that point, but to comply with wherever Max went. If he didn't, it would be him causing a collision. And the, and the issue as we get closer towards the end of the championship with Lewis being behind in the points is that he cannot afford to have another accident with Max because yeah. he needs to take, as you said, you know, three cup finals. He needs to win yeah. them all. He can't afford to crash. Bruce in our chat room, who I assume is from Australia, says, unfortunately, we never got the chance to see if Lewis would make the corner because Max made made sure of that. And and that's true. We can't actually judge what whether Hamilton's overtake would have been successful had had Verstappen left him enough room as well. So I have some sympathy for for the FIA and for that decision making. But I would have thought at a minimum, at a minimum. You, Verstappen definitely held on to the place by going off track. So no penalty, maybe, but at a minimum, your competitor was at the outside of you. You, you held on to that place by going off track, swap positions, crack on. That, that feels like let them race, Catman. Yeah, so if you're saying he held the position um, by going off track and no penalty, but he has to give the position back, then that's allowing the overtake. So that is, in theory, a penalty. If he'd held it and they had adjudged that, then yeah. they would have given, what, a five-second time penalty or something? Yeah. Oh, God, the radio messages, Matt. My goodness. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the, 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 the essential argument there is gained an advantage by going off track. You're not allowed to do that. And clearly... You can argue about whether or not he had the right to take Hamilton to the edge of the track and off. It's an argument we've had, and we don't all agree on it. But once you go off track, if you've gained an advantage, then you're not allowed to keep it. And it seems kind of clear in this instance that he kind of did. And yet the FIA, and I will hand them props because uh, there's at least one other incident floating around in my brain, I think from Austria somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> where someone was convinced yeah. they would be given the place because the person, you know, didn't even mm. didn't even whisper apex as they braked somewhere near the white line on the exit of the turn. And yet the FI was like, oh, well, you know, it was he was out of control. It was racing. These things happen. Yeah. Well, what do you expect us to do? Did it warrant an investigation, though? 
Yeah, sure. That, yeah, that, that's I mean, the thing. Yes. It is, isn't it? It's one of those things where you know we are speaking a lot in hypotheticals because there wasn't the contact, and it's hard to very you know it's yeah. hard to judge whether there would have been an advantage given to how Hamilton would have or sorry Verstappen would have gained an advantage if um, you know through, through the situation, but. It definitely, in my eyes, warranted, and I think in pretty much everyone's yeah. eyes, warranted the investigation because I don't know at what point, you know, the, the where the threshold is because it looks like they had a look at it. They had a bit of a natter over the radios like they do all the time now. And um, it just sort of then disappeared. And it's one of those things where the point needs to be made slightly. And this is what, you know, I've been hearing a lot after um, you know, because, yeah, it's the big boys off they go racing. But this is the thing that's going to be picked up by the teams further down the line. Yeah. And they'll think, oh, we can get away with it here. Yeah. We can get away with it there. And it's not, you know, it's maybe not a situation involving, you know, championship, you know, the two at the top of the championship is going to be further down where they're going to start thinking, oh, OK, if they've done it, we can do it and we can take bits here and we can, you know, they'll they'll be a bit more lenient there. Ellen, you're absolutely right. If you are Hamilton now or Verstappen, you absolutely know that if a, if a guy's trying to overtake you on the outside, you just send it. Lift off that brake pedal, head exactly for like the opposite of the apex on the outside. As long as there's runoff, as long as you're not putting them into a wall, you're golden. That's the thing. The, the point there is as long as there's runoff and it doesn't, you know, come into contact, which is where the difference is also because so the two differences in this incident compared to others we've seen between the two of them in the past is here there's no contact and but also they were both off the track. So I think as long as there's no no contact, whatever, I think, yeah, your point stands. Having the moral high ground is all well and good unless you're in bits on the outside of the circuit, though. That's, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the choice that Hamilton had to make. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to to see if you agree with this clarification. I that, don't. Okay, good start. So with the it was in theory investigated because when that that the terminology is it's been noted. Michael uh looked at it he said and he he said that there was nothing to be hang done. On, hang on, hang on. When, I I think Ellen's going to immediately tell you why you're wrong. No, no, I'm just I I'm I was sort of hanging there. I'm ready to sort of counter. So feel free to finish your point, Catline, okay, and sorry. I'll come back off, okay. off the sorry, back I, of it. I was so keen sorry. to tell you you were wrong that I, I tried to send in a, a a lieutenant. My my bad. That's it, it's all good. So yeah, I say that noted means that we've investigated it, there's something there, but you're being a naughty boy. Investigating means a penalty is coming and we just need to decide what that is. That's all that means. Brilliant. I was correct to let Ellen in. Fine. But that's not the case, is it? Because how often do we see X incident being, and even, was it early? Yeah, earlier in the race, we saw X incident. We see it pretty stroll, much every other stroll week. Stroll is yeah. the one that you're referring to, yeah. And they go, X incident is being investigated. And then they go, we don't need to do anything about it. And that graphic no, shows No, no, that's up. then no further action. No further action. Yeah. So noted, yeah, they'll have noted. And then if there's no investigation warranted, they'll say no investigation warranted. Or then they'll have the little magnifying glass on the yeah. thing that's an investigation and then they can have no further action that's or, what that's it that's what penalty. i'm trying to say yeah yes yeah. so, that's what i'm trying to explain is there's points but they still go through investigation they're not just noted which uh, can someone i don't what does noted yeah, mean yeah. does so, that mean michael's received it and it's just yes. gone, so there's a big what difference does that mean? Here. what's I, the extent of that it's been noted and i think uh, we had to go through this earlier in the season to, to clarify it because i did not know either basically noted is does Michael Massey feel, or Michael Massey or, or his deputy, feel that 
this should be referred to the stewards. Michael Massey cannot issue a penalty. Michael Massey cannot issue a, a, a you know a, a judgment on a thing. He can just say whether it should go to the stewards for further investigation. So he's noted it, and he's gone. I'm not even. The both cars were four car widths off the track. I'm not even going to refer that to the steward. And this is like me here doing my best to try and both sides this, right? I think I'm trying to play the actually no penalty in the end side. That's the side I'm on. But to not even send that to the stewards, that's a big, big call. The problem is there you're expecting consistency from, (laughs) uh, from the race stewarding. Look, I've been a, I've, I've been a massive, I've been a massive fan though. Trumpets. I, I've been, I've, I thought he's handled things fairly well. To not refer, why not just palm this off to the stewards and let them make a decision? I'm so glad you asked me that question because I will now try and justify that exact decision. Point one: Were both cars off track? Yes. Point two: Was there any contact? No, sir. No, no sir. Point mm. three. Does it kind of look like Hamilton's going to make this happen regardless? Yes. Point four. How many <laughs> yeah. angry Max fans do I really want to hear from this week? <laughs> Done. Yeah. Yeah. You make a good case, Matt. You do make a good case. A, a, a fascinating, uh, just, you know, I've said a, a lot. F1 isn't about a session. It's not about an overtake. It's not even about a race. It's not even about a season. You know, it's about an evolution of battles in an era. And this is the Hamilton-Verstappen battle era. And this is another chapter in that battle. You you, you can justify what Massey has done there in all those contexts, which I agree with all of them. It's such a good point, such a good bit of analysis. I love that. But it's going to have an effect on this bigger picture, on an era scale. Yeah, and I think you will see, and especially in this era, that the closer we get to a resolution of this battle, the less they're going to want stewards or anyone involved in it. Thus, the looser (laughs) these rules are going to be. All right, let's talk maths. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST.
I'm looking around my panel to see who I think will be best at maths. I thought it would be Catman, but you've grimaced in a don't come to me way. <laughs> Ellen's looking down <laughs> fairly That's awkwardly. Hard. So the, the, the connotation certainly was if Verstappen, and people seem to be forgetting about the sprint race when we were doing all this title maths. So it was if Verstappen wins and gets fastest lap, then it's out of Hamilton's hands. Technically, he'd be relying on away goals and uh, and such like, and for Bottas to be in there as well, or for some kind of problems or, or DNFs. The, the the thing that Hamilton fans need to sit down and think about over this weekend, though, Matt, is that he basically lost four races, four points from that d- disqualification. And, and I think the disqualification, actually, should we see if we can get uh, Summers to jump on early in the week to do a little bit of a... Should we ask if you and him can, can do... Ask. Instead of doing it in this, why don't we see if we can, like, chuck in a little rear wing... DRS special. I think we could do that. Let's try and do that. You could also talk about the synchro mesh issue, which um, oh, is, yeah. was, was fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. Brilliant. I'll just produce that and and, uh, and have a snooze. But four points, because had Hamilton not got that, he, he uh, you know, it's hard to argue he would not have won that sprint race. Three points, right? Bottas then holds off Verstappen, let's say. That's a, a two net point. two. Yeah, net two. But actually what happened was Verstappen got two instead of one. And Hamilton got zero instead of three, so I don't. I've lost track now. But that that's a swing of points already. It's, yeah. So mm. let's let's make it easy on everybody, and start with the obvious. If Hamilton wins and Max comes second, Hamilton closes the deficit by seven points. As it is, there's an extra three or two or one points on offer in the sprint qualifying. No, well, it's, I think I'll argue it's more than that because there's a, a swing. So in football, you have the term six-pointer. So if you're direct rivals for relegation or the championship, if you're playing them and you deny them the three points and then win the win the three from that game, that's six. Even though you can only win three from the, the, the match, you actually can gain a six-point swing. So there's more than three points here. I think it was a four or five point swing. It's uh, you win three points for first, two for second, one for third. Mm -hmm. And I understand the point you are making. Good. If you were teaching a math class, you should be making that. However, we are talking to (laughs) Formula One fans. So it's easier to focus just on the net. Okay. You're calling Formula One fans stupid. Okay. Remember that Redditors, Trumpets called you stupid. Say mean things about him instead. Nope. I'm just saying that in an audio podcast, it might be simpler to focus on the net (laughs) for the benefit of our listeners. Fine. And in this case, Max could have had three, but only had two extra points out of the sprint qualifying. Yeah. Regardless of what Hamilton theoretically would have achieved had he won. Okay. So instead of a potentially eight point gain from this race, he's actually gained very little despite being massively dominant he's only really gained maybe three or four points from from Um, that magnificent victory catman come on tell me tell me why i'm right you're a vet you must have to do maths while vetting yeah you are right but the other thing he's also gained is a new engine and that's worth a few points in itself all right matt yeah so you want to know the net the net is hamilton gained five over the weekend he gained seven winning the race Max gained two coming second in the sprint qualifying and Perez by taking the fast lap point away from the both of them kept either of them from getting an extra point out of the weekend. 
So if the if the net gain was five, the gap is fourteen with three to go, right? Yep. Okay. So, well, I mean, Ellen, that's that's not really anything, is it? Fourteen with three to go. If you say that Mercedes maybe go in with a slight power advantage. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? You know, they. I totally agree with Catman that point there. I think that's spot on. They've gained the engine advantage now, and when you know you're talking to, they were talking to Max after the race. They're not getting many new parts through, if if any. So that advantage is going to fall into into the hands of Hamilton. But again, it's fourteen points. It's not that they're level. No, that's true. Then it's not that they're level. But Rod, who I assume from Wales, says uh, he gained a small a small number of points, which isn't bad considering he lost. 25 grid places so the plan out of this weekend would have been take the engine penalty qualify sixth for the race that was the plan and then damage limitation second or or third try and get the fastest lap or whatever deny max the fastest lap and then we have got a run of win three races win the championship that would have been the plan so from that point of view they've done an awful lot better from sixth on the grid they had to start 10th which hamilton made up pretty much in the first lap and a half and then instead of damage limitation they they went and won i would argue that you couldn't make up that number of places at other circuits this not only was it making those places up on a sprint race weekend but also on a place where you can overtake and that's why they went for the engine change this weekend because they knew that and they knew that they could mitigate against that obviously didn't plan for everything else on top but yeah kind of like continuing the football analogy it's like when you (laughs) you win 5-1 or 5-2 or whatever or 5-1 against a bad team still three points yeah but you've got the three (laughs) points but also there's there's you you your defense isn't all there so you know there's gains and he's done exceptionally well but it could have been, you know, yeah. there's there's always places to improve and there's that level that they, they could have been should should the situation have been a bit different. See, to me, the interesting thing, if we're going to be all mathy about it, and I'm just, before I get mathy, yeah. even the slightest bit about it, I'm going to say the situation is simple. Hamilton needs pretty much to run the table if we assume Max finishes second in any race that Hamilton wins. Okay. If Max finishes third or there is an incident then all these calculations are kind of irrelevant. There will but given be, that, there will be no incident. God, I'll oh, given that. You sorry, I don't always mean. Uh, to, uh, I don't mean to interrupt, Matt. I no, am it, it's okay. <laughs> you say there's no incident, and I just think about Botas and what was it? Turkey or Hungary? It just was Hungary, like, yeah. Bowling <laughs> yeah. ball the entire you top of the grid out. Don't get two of those a season. But okay, here's my here's my spanners prediction. Do we? Do, can, we must have a bumper for that. What? Are you going to do my prediction for me? No, I did some math. Oh. I looked at the number of incidents and the number of races. And yeah. then I multiplied by the number total number of races in the um, calendar year. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I think it was um, four incidents over however many races. And I, you just to take the total races, divide into the incidents. 20. And then multiply that 0.22, yeah. which is what it came out to, times the 23 races. Do you know what number you get? No. Four. Point eight. What does that so mean? There's a very. It means there's a point eight probability that Max will have another incident before the end of the season. I mean, maybe he will or maybe he won't, but it seems like it's leaning on the side of not impossible. Does that math not? Does that math not then equate back onto Hamilton as well? 
I didn't do Hamilton incidents, oh, if oh I'm being god. honest, okay. because god. Hamilton was behind. Oh my god, that's Harry Potter levels of like plot <laughs> inconsistency. Catman, quick. Look, I know this is an audio main, uh, mainly an audio medium, but if you could screenshot the looks on all three of our faces as Matt was trying to uh, yeah. explain that, I'm going to edit all of that out. So that's fine. It's a lot of math, isn't it? And it it's is. a lot of averages maths. And so, averages yeah. maths isn't isn't always good maths. You Can know? I do my prediction now? Here's my prediction. Hamilton wins the next two races. One of the lieutenants gets the fastest lap in each of those two races. The Mercedes engine advantage just slightly disappears by the end of the penultimate race. And they are level in Abu Dhabi. Two of the brightest F1 stars with equal engines, equal equipment, equal horsepower, equally illegal red wings and shenanigans battling it out for the championship on the final day of the F1 season. It is going to be the best. It's going to be the best F1 finale in forever. That's my prediction. It took me 20 minutes to get that out, thanks to Matt and his oh, 2.4, 8.2 probability of a banana doing a thing. It starts off green and then maybe yellow. I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm sorry for actually doing actual probability math, even at the simplest level to confuse the show. But you were right. At the end of the day, Hamilton's got to run the table. Max only has to win one race to put it out of reach, barring an incident, which I will just point out. Is my calculations remains kind of in the picture. And Max is driving absolutely superbly, so that is by far and away they not both are. the question. They both are. They're both just driving like the absolute legends they are. It's beautiful to watch. And we seem to have somehow morphed, but I want to point out something. I know we're not going to talk about the actual DRS penalty that he got for being out of compliance. No, I can't be bothered now. It's really late. But I do want to point out that that is a mistake made by a team member, most likely, or a broken part, and that all of the team members are under an incredible amount of pressure to not do exactly that thing. So we're talking about the drivers, but hey, you know, put that one part on backwards, don't torque it down to the right specification because the parts got there late and Mm. everything could change. And like, I think you're being too harsh. There's poor Derek in the Mercedes DRS bay and he's been having a really rough time. This has not been his year. You know, that marriage hasn't always been smooth, but they've been making the best of it. But lockdown's been hard and their kids are young. And, And there's you just going, you, Derek, you've cost them the championship. I'm... I'm distancing myself from that, if I'm honest, Matt. This is the nice panel. Justice for Derek. Justice for Derek. I'm moving on. Nightmare for McLaren. And it all started uh, at the front of the grid. Ellen, the two buddies, the signs, nice bromance. It's over. The enemies now, they hate each other. What happened? They're not, they don't, I think um, judging from their post-race interviews, I thought that was quite interesting because none of them were, neither of them were, they were being very nicey-nicey about they it. They were, yeah. It was, was a bit of them, wasn't it? Um, yeah, so at the start, Norris, incredible start from Norris. And I think maybe from my point of view, just a little bit overconfident on when he would need yeah. to turn in and had his two wheels off the off the side of the track and um little little bit of a collision there um and then the, obviously the puncher for Norris um and I think he did oh. to be fair considering yeah. I think he did a good job to make his way 
back to the pit, get himself sort of composed. Obviously, the the safety cars would have helped him, you know, just a couple of laps later to then re sort of affirm himself yeah. and get back into that headset and that position, that mindset. Um, but yeah, I just, um, I personally, I've seen arguments saying that it was, you know, it was signs, not maybe not just signs' fault, but signs could have given a little bit more to, I think, his left. And yeah, yeah I, I understand that. But is he going to sort of, you know, within a chaotic start like that, is he going to yield? No, absolutely not. So um, I'm sort of more of the you're going, Norris to blame. You're going, you're going Norris to blame. I'm glad you're going that way. I think Catman's going to disagree. But yeah, I also I think it was Johnny Herbert who said, oh, maybe in that situation, you should just sort of shuffle over a bit and, and let Norris back on track. Well, I think if you're on the straight... You're allowed to go straight. If you overtake into a position where you have to rely on the car that's going straight to no longer go straight, I think I think that's your fault. Yeah, absolutely. So so Lando was cheeky and tried to get back on before he'd passed Carlos. But did you hear Carlos's defense on the radio? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was being squeezed. No, no, no. No, you were not. You've got you've, you've got young kids, haven't you? That was a that was like a that was a toddler defense. My I'm, sister I'm, pinched yeah. me. I, I'm growing to love signs, and and his sprint performance really did turn me a little bit from my robustly mare position, Ellen. But you can't deny that that was like an immediate. No, it wasn't me because I don't even know where the cookie jar is. So I couldn't. I couldn't have done it. That's the reaction there, isn't it? Like, I think as soon as anything like that happens, everyone's like, well, couldn't it have been me? Whatever. <laughs> and the funny thing is, on the in the post-race interviews, I'm pretty sure Lando said completely the opposite and said that he was squeezed. So everyone's just squeezing each other by each other's perspective. Um, but yeah, no. I, I, I personally, you know, like I said, I think it's, it's more Lando to blame. But yes. I do see that there was space on the other side for Carlos to move into, should he have wanted to but it's not a requirement for mm. Carlos because Carlos was following his line. He doesn't have to go, come on, my friend, rejoin. You know, that's not that's not a requirement. Ellen Ellard at Ellen underscore Ellard. No, no, at Ellen Ellard underscore on Twitter. On the Twitter. It's in the show notes, but go and give uh, Ellen a, a follow as well. A, a former colleague at uh, BBC Radio Cambridgeshire. I have n- noticed just a little bit of northern coming through since your <laughs> since your job since your latest job has started oh oh it's me and my pet whip it <laughs> is that a northern thing what i don't is? know i don't yeah I don't know. yeah it's more, yorkshire more yorkshire you're yorkshire. the other side though you are over On the other side. At, manchester. at manchester city football club i am yes tell us tell me tell us what you're doing Tell what I'm doing. So I am the the stadium announcer and the presenter That's for so the cool. women's team, oh, which is pretty good. Brilliant. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, so yeah, have a lot of a lot of fun shouting about football over a channel, <laughs> which, is, which is really enjoyable. That's brilliant. But you have a responsibility. Are are you? Because most tannoy announcers are like wildly biased. T- tell me that you are wildly biased towards. Of course it. I am. <laughs> I started off. I started off my job being like, you know, tr- fans travel a long way, and of course, I'm gonna be respectful to the other club <laughs> and there's been some incidents where things haven't gone uh, the, the club's way haven't gone Manchester City's way and I have felt like it's gone unfairly not our way and if that's resulted in a goal <laughs> I do sound occasionally I have been picked Proper up Mardi. <laughs> <laughs> I have been yeah. I got a text the other week after the FA Cup semi-final being like 
or that last goal, you didn't sound happy. And I think, well, obviously I wouldn't sound happy, but mm. I think I gave it this sort of due diligence and respect that the, the traveling fans deserve. Uh, if you were a balanced but, Tannoy announcer, I think you'd be the first one in football history. There are incidents where if you're, this is me going into a bit of Tannoy geekiness, so I'll keep it short. Um, there is, um, you can be in like neutral ground. So if it's like, you know, in the Euros, the announcer there would have to be like a neutral announcer and mm. can't, even if they're playing, you know, even if England are playing and they're playing at Wembley, yeah. it's had to be neutral for both sides of the competition. So there are incidents <laughs> where you have to be neutral. In club football, you don't. So um, I'm there being, you know, good old by self and I hope announcers <laughs> at other stadiums would be for their teams. I just hope that I just can just picture you behind the microphone just wearing one of those double scarves. One half is red, one half is blue. <laughs> I, I need to I would I would get one but also I'm, I've got to be full full city so I'm there in my full kit being proper proper <laughs> Manchester City so uh, no space even for a double scarf look we're delighted to have Ellen in the shed please do go and follow her at Ellen Ellard underscore on Twitter is that the same on Instagram on Instagram it's uh, at Ellen underscore Ellard so okay, the best way around the way that you prefer trust me uh, Ellen is a, a rising star in media, in commentary, in broadcasting. Go and follow her because then you can say you followed Ellen before all the cool kids did. Uh, but Catman, everyone's a McLaren fan, kind of, aren't they? Isn't isn't McLaren everybody's favourite midfield team? I mean, the alternative is Ferrari, for goodness sake. But just just a shocker, just a just an absolute nightmare today. It was terrible. I, I'm still getting used to you calling Ferrari a midfield team. It doesn't quite <laughs> yeah. sit right with me. Yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, McLaren, uh, terrible for them. To be fair, in qualifying, it was okay. Ricardo showing once again that he is getting to grips with that McLaren being just a shade off Norris. Um, so, you know, having both drivers up there and going for it is uh, is great. And Ricardo was doing really well in the race. He managed to make use of one of those VSC periods to get a free pit stop and yeah. was on for a good result until his, uh, his PU decided to go kaput, which does worry me slightly uh, and kind of tie in with the whole Mercedes engine saga because obviously they use Mercedes engines. So. Yes, that's worrying. But yeah. I, I say that is worrying. However, they haven't taken 18 power units like Mercedes have. Well, that would make a first season for a while. McLaren haven't taken uh, 18 power have units. Have they taken it? extra units? No, no, they haven't. But uh, just I was thinking with the with their Honda engines, a while uh, back, yeah, that's they true. were the yeah, king yeah, of the yeah. grid penalties. Uh, Catman, you are at CatmanF1 on, on Twitter. I feel like I bullied you into to being more Twittery. But you're there and you, you do the odd hot take, which I like. Go and follow Catman at CatmanF1 and also your TikTok where you do simple dances in a crop top. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the TikTok. Now, um, I would suggest that the best place to find me is actually on the uh, Missed Apex iRacing Cup oh, of course. Uh, commentary gigs, which is where I, I love to spend my time uh, alongside mm. uh, good old Chris Stevens, who you're a good um, commentary, team, commentary team, you too. a lovely commentary team. And of course, Ellen fills in because you're a grown up and you have a job sometimes and Ellen is your, your able substitute. I'm the Depp. Yeah. yeah, and you do a fantastic job when you do so. Uh, so do uh, go and check out Mr. Apex Motorsport on on YouTube. Um, Matt, where where do we go? Where do we go next in this uh, thing of stuff? Well, if we're talking about championship battles, I, I just yes. fully gave away that Matt is in charge of where this show is going, didn't I? Uh, yeah, which is which is a total surprise Steve, to me. Steve, let's get this in the edit so it sounds like I'm leading him to the topic. That'd be great. Fair enough. So we're going to kick on past McLaren 
And after I blame Norris for that incident because much oh, like yeah, a cat, sorry, he stuck his head in there. Yeah, I think we all are. And then couldn't get the rest of him through. Oh, so that's it. So his his whiskers just got through, but his, the belly didn't. That's kind of yeah. like my cat. Yeah, I, I thought Catman might appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Although that is that a reference to my belly? I'm not entirely convinced. I like that reference. No, it's oh. a reference to your nickname, which is Catman. Although Chris Stevens isn't here, we could have been calling you Chris this whole time, but we've chosen not to. Oh, not Chris Stevens. Oh, I'm sorry. No, good Chris. He's uh, good Chris. But we should briefly mention the raging battle for fifth place that is occurring between Alpine and Alpha Tauri because they are still tied with three races to go. Absolutely in the championship. I, I, I don't know. I don't know who's going to win it. I, I I can't believe that this is a battle this year. And the the more I think <laughs> about. The, the Renault Alpine switch, Catman, the more I think that Renault just gave up. And, and the reason, they made it seem like a masterstroke. Oh, we're promoting our sports brand. No, they didn't. They palmed it off to a less damaging brand and they're fighting the Red Bull B team. It's not good. This is a, this is a, oh, this is a fail for Renault. Let's call it what it is. This is Renault. This is a works team and it's a fail so far. Yeah, and it's actually worse than you can make out because they have a double world champion at the helm. And yeah. the only reason that Alpha Tauri are anywhere near Renault or Alpine is because Sonoda is not pulling his weight. <gasps> Norris, for example, said, Why is why is Alpha Tauri not in the fight with Ferrari and McLaren for that P three slot? There's your answer, because Gasly is up there every single time. Whereas now you know, Sonoda, shocking weekend again. You know, poor qualifying <laughs> yeah, um, clattered yeah. into everybody. You know, just awful. Um, and he's he's the main reason. Is that harsh? Is that harsh, Matt? It, it is only in light, if you understand the context, that Alpine are kind of like... Uh, kind of like an uprent Haas, in the sense that they're, they're generally still running with their 2019 configuration car and power unit um, because they kept on saying when the new regulations come in, when the new regulations come in yeah, and the new regulations are like basically two years late at this point. So if you, if you grant them, they're fighting with outmoded tools. Well, then, you know, it's understandable. They are where they are, but what makes this, I think, particularly piquant is the fact that it's long been France tossed, desire to make like like finishing fifth in the championship has been his goal since he's been at AlphaTauri, which formerly was Toro Rosso and formerly was what I think Minardi perhaps. Um and old man trumpets with his Minardi. That close. Yeah. It is so close for him to get there. And honestly, everyone knows I'm a bit Oconfosi. <gasps> and no. I don't even know who I want to win this battle. <laughs> it's it's like that much of a dramatic mm. thing a dramatic tale to the end of the season so yeah i think that's this is going to be one to watch over the next couple of races well i think it's fair to say like i prefer the alpha tauri drivers to the I mean, and, and i'm even like traditionally i've liked alonso but i like alonso in the way that i kind of i don't know like i like a good competitor he's always been a rival that i admire if you like but I like definitely if I could choose Gasly and uh, Yuki Snowder winning over Ocon and Alonso. No, Catman. No, you're not going with me. No, absolutely no? not. Why? Well, okay. Uh, oh, because you dislike Snowder. No, I dislike 
both of them. Oh, Gasly! Yeah. You so, don't get many Gasly haters in F1. No, I know. What's, hang on, hang on. Ellen looks what, distraught. What is the reason? What I don't know. What is the reason? Gasly. Well, there goes our reason. timing. Oh <laughs> Forget our hour. We're done now. <laughs> yeah, Gasly on. is a, a lovely guy, and he's really doing amazingly well in that Alpha Tower. He's brilliant in that. But he you know just in that red bull team was he promoted too early i just i could see it coming though because you know even in his junior formula he was quite crashy quite spinny ellen hates me now but <laughs> why is that on him why is that are you coming for alex albon as well why yes why absolutely is, why is the you know what we see from the outside the supposed failings of the, sort of the red bull system and why they're promoted too early and you know, how people can't be second to Max. Why is that on Gasly, please? It's, it's on Gasly because he he never really was <laughs> able to get the the best out of that car. Even Perez, who is, you know, a brilliant... I'm not going to upset Spanners here. He's a brilliant driver. <laughs> uh, but he, he hasn't been able to extract the same that Max has. But Gasly was nowhere near where even where Perez's level was. Well, I don't know about you. I'm up for cancelling for cancelling Catman Ellen right now. I just think Perez is being, he's being a second driver as in he knows he's sat there and he's seen sort of what's gone before him, Gasly and Auburn, and he knows he has to be second driver to Max and he has to serve Max. Yeah. And what we've seen him done exceptionally well so far this season is serve Max and serve the team. Whereas yeah, Gasly and Auburn can... were trying to, you know, do, do their own thing. They were fighting Try... for themselves more. Yeah, they, they couldn't even get anywhere near Bottas to be able to be that second driver for Max. So I, I'm sorry. Cancel me if you like. Trumpets. I'm sorry. First of all, Albon had the honor of not once, but oh, twice being driven out of a race by Hamilton. Once when he was about to win an entire thing. So uh, let's just put that little marker there. Regarding Gasly, <laughs> I think the issue that people have with him mm. and his tenure at Red Bull, it's not his complete and total lack of results because as you point out Albin wound up with roughly the same lack of results although i would argue he did do slightly better overall and that the car he was granted the next year was significantly less drivable the issue is when gasly left there yeah. was a whisper i don't know if you call it a whisper campaign or the rumor was out that he had said some very unfortunate things to senior Red yeah. Bull management and behaved in a fashion that was at the time described as incredibly arrogant. Yeah, now, And I think that might have stopped him initially or put in doubt his initial move to Red Bull as well. So that's, that's a factor. Now, I don't know the truth of this. I've heard nothing firsthand from anyone who is privy to any of these discussions. And it's entirely possible this is nothing more than a Red Bull dark PR op to make them not look so bad when they kicked him back halfway through the season to the sister team. Okay, uh, Ellen? But what we can see and what we do know is his results in the sister team, which have been so much better than where they were when he was racing for Red Bull. And he's gone and he's done that in a car that is, you know, nowhere near that. So, yeah, things have fallen in his way in incidents and he's had a bit of luck on his side with some of those. But his performances are what speak for him and he's got them. He's got them to boot. 
Yeah, so I, I would put him in a class of excellent midfield drivers. Oh, geez, right. Okay, I'm calling. Yeah, that's call- that's fine. I know. I'll I'll take that. I'll take that. But saying you're you're not like you're you're anti him for no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. You did start off this from a very anti, and you have softened from that. I've said before on this podcast, Gasly is my go-to. Pick any driver to go on a night out with. It's me and Pierre, and I'll be his wingman. No drama. Like, he's the number one on the night out. I get that. I understand that. Okay, uh, quickly, very quickly, I just want to talk about the TV broadcast because we we did have a great chat with Rob Smedley and he was so proud of... See how I dropped that? Just had a quick chat with Rob Smedley. So proud of the, the replay function. And I think in in classic F1 races three or four laps in yeah you do want to revisit those starts you do want to see all those actions again and to be fair the f1 and aws have delivered on on bringing the reaction times and the start graphics they all worked Th- that all looks really good and bottas has come out shining from some of those but ellen it, in some of these races like they are really rigid with i don't care what's happening we're showing you the start replays even if hamilton is going from fifth to third I still whack out that if oh wait. What? Is the stroll meme the stroll meme, isn't it? That's the one. Go on. The, 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 when it was the oh, Lord, I can't remember which what race was it, but the one where it, it cuts to a random stroll incident and it's yes. been like the whole race, nothing's barely anything's happened. Yes. Yeah. And then I can't for the life of me remember who's overtaking, but it cuts to stroll and it just strolls face there like, oh yeah, and they miss everything. And that that and it, I, that when that sort of that meme became a thing yeah and it was getting cut over like you know over any sport like goals you know anything I love that um it is difficult because sort of I, I definitely understand it especially with F1 as well and I was in the bracket today where I was rushing from one game when I was at work rushing back trying to make sure I was back at home mm. in time for the start I like really value when I'm trying to get my head together you know re-going show over me the what happened yeah and of course, when we've got races, because let's be honest, there are some races that I don't want to say become processional because I don't think we've got that. So we haven't had that any race where I just sit there and say completely processional anymore. Yeah. But, you know, there are those moments that are sort of like, right, OK, I'll get up and now's the time to go to the fridge for a drink. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, in those moments, of course, whack over some some exciting incident from before or something that happened or maybe, you know, replay the start if people are coming in late because, you know, they are long races but when Maybe it's not just like lap three lap four, yeah. yeah so you're being saved in the chat room by people telling you that it was monaco and it was like the only bit of action at monaco and then they yes, cut yeah. randomly to stroll and of course there's some criticism as well around uh there was the battle between hamilton and verstappen at, uh, at silverstone when they were cut into the crowd at various points i, I can't remember but i was I, in the crowd so cut to me absolutely yeah well there you go matt well the thing that interests me most is I understand the difficulty involved in narrating the whole thing visually. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah, we're not underestimating the task ahead of them. But at a track like Brazil, turn one, turn four, turn 12. Yeah. Like like turn 12 to turn one and, yeah. and or turn one to turn four. And beyond that, yeah, show me any replays you want because I know not a lot's really going to happen there. But when Hamilton is coming up to turn 12 and he's got cars in front of him, he's going from fifth to third, go to the onboard. 
Whatever else you're doing, make sure that on board of Hamilton overtaking because that's where the action is. Come on. Yeah, and the problem is with Interlagos is it's such a short circuit that yeah. the, the middle part of the lap you don't get many replays done. <laughs> no, before, you don't and get they seem to like to do them in a block. So in there, in 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 the FIA's defence, the the column with the action in the the timing grid is brilliant, and you get to see so much more. And and as I said to uh, Smedders, as I hope to call him one day, if you go back and try to watch a race from like eighteen diggity six, you go, oh, it's broadcast. There's no information. You know, and sometimes in these late races, I go from in my living room with the live timing laptop, watching it in real time on the Skybox. I run in to the end of the race, watching it on Sky Go without all the timing and all that kind of stuff. And suddenly I've lost, I feel like I've lost a limb watching the race, Matt. So, so we yeah. should, I'm just saying we should give them props for the information we're getting. And we are nibbling around the edges because I want yeah, well, accreditation sometime. We should probably mention it to Bob then. Yeah. Oh, is that? Oh, Bobby. Old Bobby Smedders, yeah. Absers. So so one thing I did notice from AWS uh, was the new uh, pit lane analysis where they compared Max and Lewis's uh, time to enter the pits and exit the pits. And they were saying that Max was a little bit faster. Um, I thought that was really interesting. So it's not all bad. Yeah. And, and some of the um, some of the innovation coming out from those guys is brilliant. Good. Let's go I think to, I've saved uh, it, right? Thank you. I think, yeah, we've sa- you've saved our accreditation. Podium yeah. time. Every single year, except last year, when we get a chance to do oh, an Interlagos Grand Prix, a Brazilian Grand Prix, I am just filled with such warm, fuzzy feelings. Maybe it's because I'm Hamfosi. Maybe it's because 2008 lingers deep in my heart. Is that Glock? Yeah, it is. But it's relevant because you shouldn't have been there because you should have pitted early and that team made a mistake with both their drivers. Or it could be that in magnificent races like the one that Fisichella ended up claiming the trophy from Kimi Raikkonen. Am I getting all this right? In the next Grand Prix, Raikkonen won. But actually, Fisichella should have won. And and right down to those rain-filled uh, races, because you do get rain at Interlagos, and watching Verstappen charge to, I think, second place, showing up Daniel Ricciardo in the wet there. This is a track that has delivered so consistently in my life as an F1 fan that I, I have argued for it to be the last race of the season. It, it should be the finale of the Formula 1 season. It's not going to be, I understand, I'm not, uh, I'm not totally stupid. I understand that money can be exchanged for goods and services and it's unlikely to ever be the finale again. But Matt, I, if I could write a love letter, if I could make this show a love letter to the Interlagos circuit, I would. Once upon a time, it was indeed the final <laughs> race was, of the season. It was good. And that was good. Uh, but yeah, it's delivered again. It, it has character. If nothing else, it has character. If nothing else, it promotes racing. If nothing else, it has a magnificent passion from from the crowd as well. Yeah, an awesome crowd, wonderful people, and I, I nearly had the chance to go there in 2016, which ironically was the worst race I've ever seen from Interlagos. Oh, no. I didn't get to go in well, the end. It happens. It does happen. Yeah, but most of the time, as you say, it is absolutely wonderful circuit, and you know it's it's brilliant. Okay, look, this is the part of the podcast where we give out awards, and look, we're no one. I'm sat in a shed. Matt is in an office hiding from his family. Catman's in like a converted loft thing far away. Ellen is in the north of England and it's grim up there. So look, 
we're no one, but we will judge the very pinnacle of F1 by giving out our awards. And uh, whether they care or not, I guess, is up to them. The first one is the, the good one. Such an upbeat track. I like that. Well done, Steve. Who should we go to first? Catman. Chris Catman Turner. Who was your, or what was your, or when was your thing of the weekend? Well, going first gives me a good opportunity here to go for the obvious ones, but I'm not going to do that because I I feel like maybe somebody else could have Lewis's sprint race performance, for example. (laughs) Okay. But I, I wanted to highlight the good work that Sebastian Vettel is doing uh, with his environmental education, because in the lead up to the race, he went and visited uh, Pedro Diniz's uh, farm, who is uh, trying to do things organically and yeah. trying to improve the environment. Okay, we can have a chat about whether organic is magnificent or not another time. However, however, he did do that good uh, thing where he made a uh, an insect a be- no, it's an insect hotel in the shape of a Formula One car. And I think he did that somewhere on the European leg. And that was wonderful. And I got to talk about that on my gardening show. So that was very cool. And yes, and he's incredibly uh, funny. <laughs> and uh, he's just becoming a joy in F1. Did you see where he said, "I'm at the end of the sprint qualifying, he said, I'm going to touch the back of Hamilton's car. And they said, don't you dare. And he went, okay, maybe just the, maybe just the front wing. Maybe that's just 25,000 as a yeah. fine. If you go in Vettel things, that should be my my thing. Well, that comment was going to be my thing of the oh, week. Oh, well, you can that was going to be my thing of the week, Effortlessly just tossed it into the ether. Thank you very much. Well, and in return... Wait, you've got zero seconds to think of another one, Matt. I will now talk about soil carbon sequestration and regenerative agriculture for the next 45 minutes to the point where you'll be begging me to talk about tires. No, I'm kidding. Of course, if we're going, if we're going to ditch the Vettel comment, which I'm sorry, Alan, but I'm glad to see that we both had the same general thought there. If it's got to be anything, it has to be the thing of the week. It has to be Hamilton's, the fact that we had both Mercedes and both Red Bulls at the front with Hamilton and Verstappen battling for the win and for the championship and both Botas and Perez fighting for the third position to nail down the constructors win. I mean, you just could not ask anything more with three races left in the season. I don't mind that at all. Of course, my thing of the weekend is the Vettel comment about the touch in the wing. I mean, surprised no one else mentioned it. But uh, Ellen, what was your my thing? Other thing? My backup thing of the weekend. What's your backup thing of the weekend? We come prepared. You know, we, we've had, um, we've spoken about questionable directing ideas and decisions. And I think the best one was the camera that picked out Toto Wolf after the move when he oh. was straight down the camera and he was like, and I was just like, I was like, this, this is it. And I don't know whether it's the fact that they are so used to having cameras around the paddock now, not just because, you know, future mm. technology. He'd have done that, that anyway. He'd have done that but anyway. He'd have done yeah. that. But would he have found the camera? That's the thing. And, you know, especially with like Drive to Survive and all that. And, you know, they are just so used to having you know, cameras around them and acting, not acting for the cameras, but, you know, what, you know, they're going to be different. Mm. They're going to be sort of over the top of the way. Yeah. Was it the way the camera picked him out? Because it sort of panned. And for him. then yeah. it panned. And then it's just him there, just jabbing. The like, I felt it. I jabbing a big Austrian sausage down the lens, wasn't it? And I loved it. The term gentle giant was really, it was probably coined for Toto Wolf, but perhaps the biggest mistake that Red Bull have made is 
really pissing off Toto because that whole team is now just invigorated. Like when when was it on the radio? The the they basically you know he went to Hamilton. He went yeah, turnip them all. Yeah, they're all turnips, and and the whole team has just responded. Like maybe Red Bull shouldn't have turned Mercedes into a cornered animal because they've got teeth. No, they're fired up. They've they're fired claws. up. But this is what they this is what we want to see, isn't it? They're fired up. And how often have we seen Toto then? We've gone through the interview rounds where it's the same every week. You know, yeah. they've you know, it's either been <laughs> no, a one two. And this wasn't the same. No, no, and this season isn't the same. And how yeah. nice is it to see that sort of, you know, I know there are dark sides to it, as we've seen on sort of Twitter and as we've seen, you know, the blows that have come between um Toto or you know, Toto Wolf and Christian Horner. But just that passion, the way the camera panned, the whole garage erupts. And then he's just there and he's like, this one. And afterwards he said, he was like, that was a message to the race director. And I was like, they are yeah, not, yeah. They, you know, you don't not necessarily want to do that to the race director. To be well, fair. No, you don't. Yeah. But also, you know, it was just a nice little, hello, we know you're there. I love yeah. that. Catman, it's approaching Alonso levels though, isn't it? Of just like, in your face, race director. It's wonderful pantomime. Absolutely. Mm, yes, true. Incredible. Uh, another thing that made me laugh about Toto this weekend was he went, he, he, I think it was him on the radio to Bottas once Lewis had passed Max said, okay, Bottas, go get him. Oh, that that, that made me nearly fall off my chair. So optimistic. <laughs> like, like, bless you if that was real. Yeah. He halved the time difference to Verstappen mm. in those last laps. Oh, look, at, look at Matt. Always, I know. I look at always with the facts. Let's go on to the thing where we get to be mean about stuff. Oh no, you missed the apex. All right, this is the bad thing award. We're going to judge people from our sheds and offices and the north. Uh, Who do we go to first? Uh, Let's go to Matt this time. Matt, who missed the apex for you? I'm sure I'm going to read in the chat in just a second what I wish I would have said. But Mm. if I'm being really honest, and this goes over several races now, and not just this one. Stroll. I do not know what has happened to the poor. I, can I call him a boy? He's a bit old for you that. You say now, the young man. That's fine. Young. I, I don't mm. know what's happened. I mean, everyone's a boy to gonna, you at your age. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say he was the greatest driver ever, but I mean, he's <laughs> yes. He had been competitive, and he, I mean, honestly, I just the mean. thing with yeah. Sonoda alone is just like, yeah, I get it, but. I mean, really, it seemed to me that you had gone past that point in your driving career. And it just seems like he's really having a hard time right now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and of course, he, you know, he didn't when, when it's you might say, oh, OK, the Snowden thing wasn't his fault. But there has been an accumulation of incidents and performances. And like today, he barely finished the race with with any arrow. It was a stripped They retired down. him. I mean, it was yeah. done. He, like was he like, couldn't drive his car after that bit fell off of it. At the end of a James Bond movie, like he went full Aston Martin. Like you, you just press the ejector seat at the end by the time yeah. of, of that race. All right, uh, Catman, who missed the apex for you? The two Alfa Romeos smacking into oh, each other. Oh, yes. Although I say the two Alfa Romeos, just Kimi Raikkonen. What <laughs> was he doing? Not giving his teammate any space. <sighs> like, And then he was like, who hit me? Who hit me? Like, it, yeah, he well, was your teammate because you squeezed him, you muppet. Oh, and that kind of brings me on a little bit to uh, to my tweet that went a little bit wild. Somebody in China sent me a photo of an Alfa Romeo dealership who may have jumped the gun on some promo material, and they put up a big poster uh, saying with with Zhu with with Joe. Sorry, I, 
I, I get I get confused Joe. With Joe on the pronunciation, but uh, Z H O U. And they said, congratulations, Joe, on becoming the first Chinese Formula One driver. I get sent that picture by someone I know and think, yeah, you're, you're, you're pretty good. But I don't know. I didn't take the photo. I don't know. I don't know the translation. I'm trusting that Chinese person on the tra- tra- translation. But I post it because I'm no one in a shed. And then the internet grabs it. It runs with it. It's everywhere. It's on Reddit. It's on Instagram. It is. Uh, it was on Ziggo Sport. It was on, like, Verstappen TV. Dutch TV. <laughs> it was on Verstappen TV. <laughs> Sky are quoting it, Catman. And, like, it, it runs away. And I've just spent the whole weekend going, oh, blimey, I'm not, I've got no idea if that's true or not. Yeah, I, I bet. Is, maybe someone was really good with Photoshop. I really hope yeah, that's I'm Now I'm hoping it's definitely true, Matt. I bet 10 out of 10 it's that European-American date thing. Maybe. And they said, do not post this before... <laughs> You yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. Before yeah, sixteen yeah. eleven, and they were like, "Oh, it's oh, it's already 11, that 16. date. We can put it up." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that that tweet had close to a million impressions, and like eighty thousand people interacted with it. And I just go, "Oh, I best yeah mute mute notifications because yeah, my best turn your phone off. Yeah, my, my phone is basically useless now, and I'm really just hoping that that is true and that he is going to Alfa Romeo. Sorry to Giovinazzi fans, but I just I don't think I can deal if. If it, if it turns out not to be true, I'm putting my phone in the fridge for the entire off-season, and, and that'll be that. Ellen, who missed the apex for you? Um, fine, I'll go with a serious one. We've already covered it, so Ooh, we'll keep okay. it short. Um, right. But for me, I would say probably the stewards not investigating <laughs> yes, the incident and just the precedent that that might set. But I'll keep it short because we don't need to go over it no, again. That's fine. I've got a good one for Pony. So if they investigated it and then went, well, no penalty, you could, and then there would be a yeah. steward's report and go. they would say why there was no penalty for these reasons. Hamilton could have done this, etc. Yeah, okay, yeah, I think you're. And also absolutely the other, right. oh, probably no. I'm going to sort of actually. I'll carry on my point. Do it. Uh, probably the fact that then Lewis was told that there was an investigation and the impact that may have had as well. <laughs> yeah, because it's something we haven't touched on. Is Lewis was told they're investigating. He probably, and I'd imagine, would think, oh, yeah, there's a time penalty. So I'm just going to sit back, make sure, like, you know, there was a possibility. Yes, that's true. It was a time penalty. He could have just rolled to the end of the race and that would have been fine. Not the way we'd have wanted to see it end, of course. Mm. But the fact that he was told, you know, there's that miscommunication, that, that on top of that as well. Excellent. Well, I guess I've, uh, I've yet to give out a missed Apex award. I am. I'm struggling. So I'm just going to say... Oh, I'm going to give it to, oh, it, it just seems like I'm a hate. I'm going to give it to Ferrari for, oh, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to retract from that. They're doing really well and not crashing into each other, you mean? But yeah, treating they... that like a win, it's just, it's just bugging me that they keep being super positive about being where they are. You shouldn't be being super positive. You should just, every single week, you should go out there and go, yeah, we came fifth and sixth, and it was just a nightmare. And it's, it's, stop being happy about that. Of course, you're upset because people are happy. <laughs> yeah, typical Spanner is just a negative, toxic cesspit. Uh, okay, then. Oh, we Pony, that's the next one, isn't it? Daddy, I want a pony. And I want it now. Ellen, you mentioned you had one. I've sort of taken the whole pony thing and sort oh. of switched it a bit. And, it, and I think it was this could be taken as a bit of a dig. And I 
for maybe now you can all shout at me for being a bit negative <laughs> and being a bit like, oh, she's trying to cause drama, whatever. And <laughs> um, the the uh, conversation where Lewis goes, and where, sorry, where, where's Valtteri? And they go up P3 and they go, he goes, good job. Good job. Like, because obviously Lewis has made up. <sighs> That was that was such yeah that was such a lie as well because the reason he was asking where is Valtteri is because they were hoping he would say hounding Max and about to take second place and when they went no a distant third he was like yeah okay yeah just like good good job job. Valtteri pat on the back I've hauled this team through and you've lost positions good job Valtteri (laughs) any other ponies from the panel Uh, Catman. Red Bull for going on about the rear wing flexing, not not the DRS, but the rear wing flexing thing. Yeah, because uh, people on, in we- flexy wing houses shouldn't throw flexy stones, should they? Really? Exactly. Who was able to run a flexible, illegal-ish wing for two races while they let them rearrange? Yeah. It's just ridiculous. You know, especially when they were able to run it at Baku, the most gain that they could get from a flexi wing yeah what to me is entirely hilarious about that is that if we're talking rear wing deflection specifically uh, they've actually they measure that optically now with cameras and dots on the rear wing yeah the little green dots like what does red bull think they are seeing that the fia doesn't already measure at this point Uh, i mean i i would i mean please red bull send me email I would like to know exactly what it is that you're on about, because I have a feeling it may not be exactly that. Okay. Right. We have one award left. I'm going to leave you three to it. So Matt, you are free to pick a million comments of the week if you want, but let's find out who are the contenders for comment of the week. Comment of the Well, I will start with Daz the Gardener uh, commenting on our choice of beverage for the show. Spanners bringing a knife to Trumpet's gunfight. Now, I don't expect that to win because, well, it involves the both of us. But I just did think that was kind of funny. That's funny. I like that. You do like that. Um, Next up, we have Bug Not a Feature with Yes, referring to the Brazil track. This course is short enough even for me to keep track of what's going on. And I, I, I feel you there, Bug. I do. Um, we have Karen in with Racing Karma for Norris saying Lewis should have to race on three wheels after he got the puncture. And then, of course, his comment about Lewis's overtake on him in the sprint race. Uh, then we have some renaming of Brazil corners to get through. Stuart Neal, turn 17, is that Glock? And turn 19, it is Glock. Tim yeah. Rudd, the Hamilton crashing into Albin Corner. And then uh, we have some puns, which can't win, but Spanners may not be listening, so I'm going to do them anyway. Puns Mike Stoner. Because he's not listening. Brilliant. Go for it. Red Bull gives you whinge. Mark Greenhow. And this may be the winner. I don't know. It's easy to get into the mode of being mean about averages. Ooh. Oh, oh that's beautiful. That's, that is that's so like beautiful. Odd. That's stunning, is it not? And yeah. I will finish with uh, Vermin's commenting on the Verstappen lap 49 incident. I heard he watched cars before the race and used the quote, to go left, you need to turn right maneuver. I like that one. But I, I think that Mark's comment uh, yeah, probably has a 86% chance of, of winning. Helen? 
I've got to agree. Not on the, but yeah. Not on the math, Not on but the math. on the overall. I, on the I, I find it funny. Very Six well. Fifths. Yes, and I, I also laugh. pretend to understand and find it funny too. <laughs> look, nah. at, look at all of us who understand maths finding that funny. I'm trumpets, math trumpets from now on. Oh, nice. That could be common. <laughs> oh, so, I Matt, don't do that. Matt, learn. repeat math the uh, comment and the winner. Our winner this week is Mark Greenhow for the amazing, it's easy to get into the mode of being mean about averages. Comment of the week. Well, I do hope you enjoyed hanging out with us here at Missed Apex Podcast. Do follow the show at Missed Apex F1 and, and follow me as well. If you can tolerate me at Spanners Ready, I'm Richard Ready on Facebook and I'm uh, addicted to my phone and I spend most of my time in a shed. So if you ever want to get in contact, do feel free to just drop in and DM me. I'm a boring dad. I've got nothing else to do. Uh, feel free to connect and to chat uh, Please do follow Matt as well at MattPT55 on Twitter. His wife is at A Weaver Wright. She sells books. Links in the show notes below. And I'm glad we've had a chance to catch up with at Ellen Ellard underscore. Go and follow her on Twitter as well. And at CatmanF1, the nicest, most grown up member of the Mr. Apex crew. I guess we're going to be back. I, I sort of half promised an effort to do some kind of tech show. So maybe we can do some kind of tech catch up. We'll see. No promises. But I have also been speaking to Matthew Carter. uh, And I think we want to get some kind of content in with Matthew before we go to Matt. Where's the next track? Is it Qatar? Yes. There we go. Yeah. Qatar. I've no idea. No one knows what that track is. They probably do dirt tires. I'm not sure if it's going to be ready. Oh, okay. So if it's ready, we'll we'll, we'll go there. But I think wherever we see you next, I I am pretty firm that I would like you to work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex Podcast. So I tried to do the whole, oh, let's have a nice panel instead of mean Brad and mean Alex, and there's Ellen kicking off. If you don't love Gasly, you deserve the spike. Head on a spike. And this Catman with just like, ah, burn them for the turn four incident. It's been, it's been, it's been way more. It's the most aggressive missed apex we've had in a long time. The most drunk missed apex we've had in a long time. Shh, Catman, we don't know. I have to say, though, I was very, very surprised at the size of Matt's drink. There's me with my little rum. I feel I I had like a, a finger of rum. Just a little, a little, and I'm quite al- alarmed at Matt's. Is that a malt? What is that? Or a blend? Uh, it's an Irish whiskey, Jameson. Oh, okay. So it's a, uh, a, a sugary blend, I'll bet, you Americans. No, the only way to enjoy whiskey is a, 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 a gum, a gum stretching single malt that just like tears you. Like you can see the roots of your teeth once you fit. Oh, is that what Catman's drinking? Oh, if you yeah. knew how cheap what I'm <laughs> drinking is, you'd understand why I'm drinking it. Oh, fair uh, I, I have a I have a, a Glenfiddich 18 every time Lewis wins. And I have to say, Ellen's trying to defend her northernness her new northernness, but you're drinking cider, which is Cider's basically... Very yeah, you can't get any more northern than that kind of... Oh, no, you can, West country, not northern. This is from Somerset. Isn't that oh. north? 
Somerset it's in the West Country. I West used to live country. down there. We lived about a mile away from the farm. Racist I used to pick accent. the apples myself. It was lovely. There you go. Oh, I apologise to all our Somerset livestream viewers for the racist. And the Northerners as well, please. No. Yeah, but to be fair, they don't have good internet, so they probably yeah, can't. They, they can't, they can't yes, tune yes, in. Yes, definitely yeah. that on the Somerset lot. The West Country is a nothing. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com <laughs>